and thank you for that. In your Bibles tonight, we're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 30 is where we're going to start. I'm going to start out with a word of prayer and then I'm going to jump right in and try to get everything in or whatever the Lord would have us if there's anything we need to cut out because God didn't want want me to say it anyway. So um, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. And Lord, as the song was just sung, Lord, Spirit of the living God, I pray that your word tonight, uh, Lord, would make an impact in our hearts, Lord, in our lives. Uh, Lord, I pray that we would cling to every word, Lord, uh, not to my words, uh, Lord, but to your words. Lord, I pray that you would use me tonight, and Lord, be with Pastor Jake as he travels, and use him as he, uh, as he preaches, and thank you for his ministry to be able to, uh, Lord, be a blessing to other churches around the country. Lord, be with us here in this place tonight. Uh, Lord, I pray you'd speak and draw us closer to you. And as your word says, if you be lifted up, you'll draw all men to you. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. So 1 Samuel chapter 30, we are this close to being done with the book of 1 Samuel. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll get right up to the end and who's, who, who's to say who will finish it. But they thought it was going to be me. But as of right now, it will not be me. First uh, Samuel chapter 30, and we're going to be in verse, we're going to start in verse number 17, then we're going to jump around a bit uh, for some, some context uh, before we get to the, the practical aspect of the message uh, tonight. But First Samuel 30, starting in verse number 17, and David smote them from the twilight even unto the, uh, even unto the evening of the next day. And there escaped not a man of them, save 400 young men, which rode upon camels and fled. And David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away. And David rescued his two wives. And there was nothing lacking to them, neither small nor great, neither sons nor daughters, neither spoil nor anything that they had taken to them. David recovered all. And David took all the flocks and the herds which they drave, uh, both those other cattle, and said, this is David's spoil. And then the, the, the next few verses, some of the men said, uh, when, when they got back, said, basically, those who stayed behind shouldn't, should not receive the spoil, uh, just those who actually were able to be in the battle. In verse 23, David says to them, Ye shall not do so, my brethren, with that which the Lord hath given us, who hath preserved us and delivered the company that came against us into our hand. For who will hearken unto you in this matter? But as his part is that goeth down to the battle, so shall his part be that tarrieth by the stuff, they shall part alike. And so we find here a classic account of mighty David. David marches into battle. David's victorious in battle. And as David so often did as we read through the book of Psalms, we find him giving the glory to God. Uh, There were those who said, we should keep the spoil ourselves. David said, no, no, you're not going to do that with what the Lord has done for us. The Lord gave it to us. The Lord preserved us. The Lord delivered us, uh, delivered them into our hands. But this victorious rescue and this victorious proclamation, really it was a very long time coming in David's life. This, in what we're going to look at, is the end of the story. But where David was just moments before this, just days before this, was a very dark place. It was a very, um, it, it was a dark chapter in David's life. For 16 months at least, he was running from God he was away from Israel, and he was really questioning everything. Have you ever met someone, or, or maybe you, you, you've said this before yourself, um, have you ever said, I would never do that? That would never happen to me. Especially when it relates to your faith, 
when it relates to some issue of morality or uh, your calling um, of God in your life as a spouse, as a parent, or or whatever God's called you to do. Uh, So it was with David. 20 years prior to this, God had called him and anointed him to be the next king of Israel. You know the story. We've probably gone over it many, many times. God had rejected Saul, and God said, I've found a man after my own heart, and that was David. And for 20, most of those 20 years, he was on the run from Saul. Saul was trying to kill him. Saul was trying to destroy him, but his faith stood firm. God said I would be king, so Saul, there's nothing Saul can do to me. Some suggested he just run away, as he will end up doing. But in Psalm 11, he, uh, verse 1, he says this, And the Lord bird to your mountain. In Psalm 59, he said this in verse 8, But thou, O Lord, shalt laugh at them. Thou shalt have all the heathen in derision because of his strength. I will wait upon thee, for God is my defense. Verse 16, but I will sing of thy power, yea, I will sing aloud of thy mercy in the morning. Thou hast been my defense and refuge in the day of my trouble. Unto thee, O my strength, will I sing, for God is my defense and the, and, and the God of my mercy. Life was far from easy and ideal for David. Who here can say that your life has been easy and ideal? No one. All right, that's that's what I figured. Most of us. um, Now, I'm sure none of us also could raise our hand and say we've had a madman trying to kill us for 20 years. But if you you do, I'd like to hear your story. Um, But God's promises were enough for David until one day they just weren't. I don't know if you've found yourself in a situation like that before where the burdens and the trials of life just beat on you, beat on you, and, and, and you're able to take them, and maybe they knock you down for a moment, but you just get right back up. But perhaps you've been in a position like David where those trials just beat down and beat down on you, and eventually you just break and say, I, I really don't know anymore. I don't know what to believe. I, I don't know who I can trust, and I don't know if I can trust the Lord. That's where David was. And it's hard to imagine David being in that place, but that's exactly where he was. And tonight we're going to see really three different versions of David. Two of them are deliberate choices by David. One of them is not so cut and dry, but it's where we, it, it, it's really the, the, the catalyst that tested him and will test us and make us choose between the two versions of David. And so let's see this long road back for David. Notice, uh, go back to this, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 27. Here's where we first find David. Here's where we find him in chapter 29 and and the beginning of chapter 30. We find him as a backslidden man. And really we could say this about David and and about us. A seed of doubt can spiral us out of control into depths of darkness that we never imagined possible. And in 1 Samuel chapter 27, I know Pastor Colin preached on this uh, a a little while back, and so I'm not going to re-preach that. We're just going to pull some for, for, for context here from chapter 27. But it says, David said in his heart, I should not perish one day by the hand of Saul. There's nothing better for me that I should speedily escape into the land of the Philistines. And Saul shall despair of me to seek me anymore at the coast, in any coast of Israel. So shall I escape out of his hand. Again, remember, God told David he'd be king. If David would be king, that means one day Saul will die and David won't and David will be king. And so he could trust that if God said you're going to be king, that God's going to protect him. 
but there were one too many times for David were close calls with Saul, and eventually he said, I'm going to perish by the hand of Saul. He doubted what God had said, and it caused him in a moment of doubt, to that, that moment of doubt to, to, to fester inside of him and to grow inside of him and to flee to the land of the Philistines. He's not the first in Scripture uh, to allow doubt to bring about foolish decisions. Think of Eve. The serpent said, yea, hath God said. She allowed that doubt to grow in her, and not only did she look at the fruit, but she tasted of the fruit, and we feel the repercussions of that even today. Sarah said to Abraham, God is not going to give me a child. Here's my servant Hagar. Have a child with her. And Abraham allowed that doubt to grow inside of him, causing uh, untold sorrow to his family that continues even to this day. We see it play out in the Middle East almost every single day uh, because of that decision that came about from doubt. Doubt's dangerous when it's allowed to grow in our hearts and our minds, and that's where David was. He doubted God, and he ended up deceiving others. We find in, the, uh, in chapter 27, he comes to the, uh, to, to, to the land of the Philistines and says to Achish, he says, hey, I'm done with Israel. I'll be your servant. I will uh, serve you. And, um, and, and as he lives there, he gives him the land of Ziklag. And uh, in, in verse 10 of chapter 27, Achish comes to him and says, basically, David, what have you been up to? And he says, against the south of Judah, against the south of the Jeshmaelites, and uh, against the south of the Kenites. And, and he says, I've been attacking, I've been looting. And what we find as we read it, that David wasn't honest with him. David used his words very carefully to give the idea that he'd been attacking his own people, that he'd been looting from his own people, and Achish believed him. Uh, we, we find in verse 11, it says, uh, David saved neither man nor woman alive. So he, he, he doubted God, he deceived others, but he, then he also disguised himself. Uh, when you deceive other people, you have to go to great lengths to keep that deception going. And if you're not careful if, if, to try to keep up that ruse, you'll have to do things that perhaps you'd say you would have never done before. And, and we find it says that he uh, slayed man, uh, left neither man or woman alive. Here's why. To bring tidings to Gath, saying, lest they should tell on us. So what was happening here was David wasn't really attacking Israel. He was attacking near Israel, and he killed everybody so they wouldn't go back to Gath and say, hey, David's lying to you. David's not really who he says that he is. This deception was so important to him uh, that he was, in, in verse 12, it's, it, we find that Achish believed him. It says that he hath made the people of Israel to utterly abhor him. Therefore, he shall be my servant forever. So David was safe from Saul, but at what cost? And when we find ourselves at that breaking point and we find ourselves far away from God, doubting God, deceiving others, and disguising ourselves. We may not be, um, I, I hope we're not going and looting towns and destroying people, but we may find ourselves at the workplace, at school, among our family and friends, deceiving them, uh, acting in such a way that they feel like, oh, they're, they're one of us. They may go to church, and uh, I, I, some of the most backslidden people in the world today, you say, oh, it's the people that aren't in church. I, I, I can tell you, there are many that sat in a church just like this today that are just as backslidden as David was. They're here, but when they're not here, they're pretending to be something else. And it won't be long before they're not here. And it won't be long before they find themselves like David. The trials of life slowly chip away at David, and they do to us as well, allowing doubt to creep in and eventually get the better of him. 
Months and months of, black, uh, of backslidden David bring us to the next version of David. He's a broken man. He was a backslidden man, but we find him in chapter 29. We find him in chapter 30, a very broken man. Again, it's sad how far people will go to keep up appearances. And in the beginning of chapter 28, actually, we find that the children of Israel are getting ready to battle with the Philistines. The Philistines are preparing to attack the children of Israel. And look at verse 1. It came to pass in those days the Philistines gathered their armies together for warfare to fight with Israel. And Achish said unto David, Know thou assuredly, thou shalt go with me to battle, thou and thy men. And David said to Achish, Surely thou shalt know what thy servant can do. Uh, so here's what happened here. If you remember when uh, Pastor Matt preached a couple of weeks ago in, in chapter 28, we find kind of, we, we, we see the story of David, and then the most of the chapter is actually of Saul. He is scared out of his mind because he knows the Philistines are coming, and he tries to seek God, and God won't answer. So he goes to that witch of Endor, and if, if, long story short, Samuel tells him, you're going to die tomorrow. You're going to be with me. You and your sons are going to be with me um, tomorrow. So now we find David, unbeknownst to him, he is preparing to go to battle with the Philistines against Israel in a battle that will claim the king of Israel's life. And it looks as though he's willing to go through with it to keep up this ruse, uh, to keep up this deceitful life, and uh, to keep himself from Saul. But then later in chapter 29, we find this, and if, if you look at 1 Samuel 29, uh, verses 4 and 5, the lords of the Philistines come to Achish and basically say this, what do these Hebrews hear? It says, make this fellow return, let him go down, uh, let him not go down with us to battle, lest in the battle uh, he be an adversary for us. For wherewith should he reconcile himself unto his master? They're saying, we don't trust him. Isn't this, and they would say, isn't this the same David that they said Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands? We don't trust him. We don't want him. Send him home. So David is rejected. Saul wanted nothing to do with him. The Philistines want nothing to do with him. Uh, one commentator put it this way. He had too much of the world in him to be at peace in the Lord. But he had too much of the Lord in him to be at peace in the world. And God spoke to David through this. But he wasn't quite ready to hear. Has God ever done that to you? Speaking to you clearly through something and you're just so stubborn to, you don't say it, but you look back and say, I, just, I wasn't ready to hear yet. Well, David's about to plunge even deeper uh, and hear God speak. So David was rejected, but then as we find in chapter 30, they begin to make their way home, <coughs> excuse me, to Ziklag, and they take a three-day journey to Ziklag, and we find as they approach their home, they see smoke rising uh, off in the horizon, and none of the women, none of the children are coming to greet them as probably would have been ordinary, and something just seemed off, and they get there to find their homes have been burned, everything they owned had been taken, uh, including their wives and their children, with no sign other than we, we see, reading the account, we see that, uh, that, that the Amalekites did not kill any of them, but I, I imagine from their perspective, they didn't know what was the, the fate of their, their family. The Philistines sending him home was actually a good thing, uh, not just because he wasn't going to go to battle against Israel, but had God allowed him to go to battle against Israel, it may have been months before he was able to see what took place in Ziklag, and he may never have seen his family again, but God in his grace allowed him to discover it quickly. But then look down in verse number four, and David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. 
And David's two wives were taken, Ahinoam, the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the wife of Nabal, the Carmelite. And David was greatly distressed. Notice what it says, for the people spake of stoning him. He was rejected by the Philistines. He was, his life now was in ruin, everything lost. And now his own friends, his, own, uh, his, his fellow soldiers were talking about, let's just get rid of David. He was reviled by those closest to him. Now, at the outset, I said there's two versions of David. These were the two choices. The first one was a choice of David's. He chose to be backslidden. He chose in his moment of brokenness over what Saul did to him to forsake God. But now we find him broken again. The truth is, some of what he had done in his backslidden state, I'm sure we, we, we can attribute to this moment of brokenness. But the truth is, righteous and unrighteous people are broken. Uh, those who are faithful to the Lord and unfaithful to the Lord are broken. Uh, the backslidden and the faithful are broken. And our broken times in life will either drive us further from God or drive us to God. And initially it drove David further from God. But notice these incredible words, and I'm sure you've heard many messages preached just on this, uh, this, this, this one verse. Uh, but it speaks of them seeking to uh, stone him. And then it says at the end of, of, of verse 6, but David encouraged himself in the Lord, uh, his God. And so we find the third ver version of David is this. He was a backslidden man. He was a broken man. But now in his lowest moment, he has a choice. Am I going to forsake God even more or am I just going to finally believe him again? And so we find David a believing man. Our brokenness will either drive us further from God or into his open arms. And so this is the message tonight. Here's the practical part of the message tonight. I don't know where you are in the beginning. Perhaps you find yourself today and you say, I don't know why you had to call me out uh, being in church and backslidden. Um, or, or I don't know why, uh, how you know what's going on in my life and I'm just broken. But maybe today you are here and you're backslidden. Maybe you are here today and you say, man, I am just broken by everything that's going on in my life. That's where David was, and he chose to believe God. You ever hear someone say of someone else, they're not in a good place? Maybe you've said that of, of yourself. David had nothing to support him. No one in Israel could help him. The Philistines didn't want him. His family was gone. All he owned was gone. His friends turned on him. He was so sick and saddened by what happened, it said he had no more power even to weep. Every support of David's was gone. And we could look at that and say, David's in a bad place. But in reality, David was in a perfect place. Because all of the support he had leaned on before was gone, and all he had left was the Lord. And that's what he needed all along. David was alone and afraid. Perhaps it was in this moment that he was reminded of the words he wrote several years before in Psalm 56. He said, be merciful unto me, O God, for man would swallow me up. He, fighting daily, oppresseth me. Mine enemies would daily swallow me up, for they be many that fight against me, O thou most high. What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. In God I will praise his word. In God I, I have put my trust. I will not fear what flesh can do unto me. This was the perfect place for David to be. And in our times of brokenness, that's the perfect place for us to be, for us to see what God can do. So what did David do to believe God once again? Notice verse 6. Well, here, here's four thoughts for us tonight. What to do when you're broken. 
what to do when you're backslidden, what to do to get back on that road back to God, back to the place of blessing. Number one, he strengthened himself. David strengthened himself in God. Uh, Before this, David didn't view himself as weak. David could do anything. Uh, There was no enemy that David could not overtake. Uh, But there he sat in the ashes of his home. He knew he was weak, and he knew he needed God's strength. But the truth is, God hadn't abandoned David. God had not left David. Really, uh, the, the, the times when we find ourselves backslidden, it's not that God has left us, it's that we have kind of tuned him out. You, you ever tuned God out before? You ever tuned somebody else out before? Um, I, I know they say of husbands that we have selective hearing, that there's sometimes, sometimes we hear our wives and our children, and there's other times we somehow, there's just not in the same frequency. I don't think we tune them out, just, anyway. Um, we can tune out God. And it's not that God has left us, it's that we have misplaced him, so to speak. We've tuned him out. On, on the way to church this morning, uh, t- t- tonight, uh, Daxton, I, I gave him a, um, some crackers uh, to eat in the car. Uh, he was hungry, so I gave him these, the pack of crackers. And about five minutes into the ride, he just starts crying. He lost his crackers. Somebody, no, nobody gave them to him. Uh, he, all, all these things, and he's starting to lose it. And I, his father, I remember giving him these crackers, this sustenance that's going to really help him. Uh, but anyway, it was, it was going to help his hunger for sure. And after about 30 seconds, he realized they were right where he left them, right next to him. You ever been there, something like that? Where, where are my glasses? Oh, they're on my face. Uh, or where's my phone? Oh, I'm talking to my phone. <laughs> um, Daxton, I, I had given it to him. He misplaced it. He didn't lose it. He just didn't know where it was. He found it again, and he ate his crackers, and all was well, um, I think. Uh, but I, I, I don't know what else happened on the, on the ride. I can't remember. Uh, but David was in a spot. God had given him his spirit. God had given him strength. And it's not that David didn't know where it was. He just wasn't relying on it anymore. And he just needed to tap into it like he had before. It wasn't some rah-rah, pump yourself up and live your best life type of mantra that he was going for. It was the strength of the living God flowing through him and making it real in, in, inside of, his, uh, of, of this life and heart of a hurting man. And so this, tonight you might not be sitting in ashes and destruction, but perhaps you just find yourself tired and weary from life. And in Matthew 11, Jesus says this to us, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. And we know they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. It's in that resting and waiting on God where the Lord gives his strength freely. Aren't you thankful that God gives us his strength freely? I don't need to earn it. I don't need to achieve it. He just will give it to us. So he strengthened himself in God, but next he sought after God. In the past, David may have just acted and uh, reacted and attacked because that's what soldiers do. If you're attacked, you attack back. But instead, David pauses and seeks God's word. Uh, In verse 8, David inquired at the Lord saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them without fail, uh, recover all. In contrast that back in 1 Samuel 27, it, it says that Saul inquired of the Lord, and what happened? The Lord answered him not. God answers David with an action to take, 
and an assurance of victory. He says, pursue. He said, go. You will not fail. When you find yourself weary from the broken and or backslidden life, seek God again. Seek his word. Uh, seek for instruction from his word. And uh, sometimes we seek God's instruction, but I don't like what he says, so I'll find another way. Notice what it says in verse 9. God says, go, you shall not fail. And verse 9 is where we need to be. So David went. He submitted to God. Uh, when I seek God's word and when God gives me instruction, I just need to simply obey. We find in verse 10 that there were 200 men that were so weary that they couldn't continue. It, it, it doesn't say they were not unwilling to continue. They just, they had no strength left in them. And I don't know about you, but if I'm going to attack someplace, I'm not, I was never in the military. I'm, uh, the only war I know is whenever I played Call of Duty or something like that. Um, or what I see in the news. But I would just imagine that you've got this army of 600 men, and if one-third of them say, we can't go any further, that'd be discouraging. But David's strength was not in his army. He strengthened himself in the Lord. And so verse 10, but David pursued. 200 men said, we can't go, but David still pursued. His submission to God's directive was not contingent upon the action of others. And when God tells me to do something, it doesn't matter what everyone else is doing. It doesn't matter what society is doing. It doesn't matter what culture is doing. It doesn't matter what the rest of the church is doing. It doesn't matter what my family is doing. If God's called me to do something, I'm going to obey. I'm going to pursue. I'm going to continue. Reminds me of the song, though none go with me, still I will follow. And then last, we see that he strengthened himself in the Lord. He sought God's word. He submitted to God. But then last... He saw God work. So many times in David's life, he had seen God do incredible things. And this was no exception. And this is the culmination of David's belief, seeing God work through and in his simple obedience. In verses 11 through 16, as they pursue, we see uh, God's providential direction to them. They're uh, pursuing after these Amalekites, and they find an Egyptian. And it, and, and it just so happens uh, to have been a servant of the Amalekites, and uh, they not only knew, he not only knew of the raid, but he knew where they were heading. And then he said, will you take us there? And he says, if you don't give me back to my master, I'll do whatever you say. I will lead you right to them. And he does. They find the Amalekites, and after hours of battle, God gives them the victory. They not only recovered everything they had lost, but they acquired more than they had lost. It says there was nothing lacking. They got all their, the, the women and children, the sons and daughters, and all their flocks back. And, and then we find the end of the story like we saw in the beginning of the message. There were those that said those 200 men don't deserve what we fought for. And David says this, You shall not do so, my brethren, with that which the Lord has given us, who hath preserved us and delivered the company that came against us in our hand. David said, we obeyed, but God gets all the credit. And notice in verse 26, I, I really like this. And David came to Ziklag. He sent to the spoils of the elders of Judah, even to his friends, saying, behold, a present for you of the spoil of the enemies of the Lord. It's as if he said to his friends and family, I know it's been a while, but I'm back. And I want to share with you what God has done for me. And perhaps, again, like David, you find yourself broken. Maybe you find yourself in a state of, uh, in a backslidden state. You find yourself weary as a parent. 
Weary of being salt and light at work and school. Weary of struggling to get by. Weary from the guilt of past mistakes. Weary of confessing and forsaking that same sin again and again and again. Believe again. Strengthen yourself in the the Lord. Seek after God. Submit to God. And see God do an incredible work. Ephesians 3.20, I'll end with this. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. Here's where it is. According to the power, the strength that worketh in us. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Believe God. Get back on that road back to strength, to seeking God, to submitting to God, and see God do exceeding abundantly above all that you could ask or think. Heads bowed and eyes closed tonight. Give you an opportunity to talk to God about what he talked to you about.